This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on. Like the Kubota BX and L01 Series Compact Tractors. Part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup. Rated number one for reliability. And Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Goldman, and joining me today is Max Cohen. This episode, we're going to be previewing the upcoming match for Fulham against Sunderland at Craven Cottage. However, there is breaking news that we need to talk about, and I'll be reading the chairman's statement, which was posted on the Fulham website in regard to Shah Khan's bid to buy Wembley Stadium. We have even more to talk about in this episode, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm doing great, Russ. Uh, a lot of people said maybe the season we would get to Wembley for the playoff final. Well, it looks like we got there a lot sooner than many expected. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely going to be talking about that upcoming. That that news actually has uh, shocked both sides of uh, the pond, I guess you could say, because I've seen so many stories about it. But I think once I read the statement, I think it puts it all into perspective. But uh, it's up to each person to take out of it what they want. But we'll be talking about that a little bit. Also, obviously, previewing the upcoming match against Sunderland. I also want to mention that please do check out my interview from uh, Peter Sixsmith that I did yesterday. He writes for Salute Sunderland. Check it out. He has some very interesting commentary about Sunderland, so I recommend you listening to it. And I have a feeling that if you listen to the interview, you're going to feel a little bit better about this matchup on Friday. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, Max, Optimus Max, one thing that we will be talking about when we get into the Cottage Talk roundtable is that we're going to look at the last two matches for Fulham and also the last two matches from Carter City because you suck me in, my friend. We have to talk about second now. 
the opportunity to get second. So we'll be doing that. And one other thing we're going to be talking about, this is from you, Max, you suggested we talk about it, and I want to talk about it, is our favorite kit. So we're going to be talking about that as well. We have so much to talk about, my friend. But let's start right at the top, and let's talk about the breaking news in regards to Shad Khan's bid to buy Wembley Stadium. And uh, there's been a lot of talk on social media about that right after it. The news broke about it, and Fulham and Shai Khan really got out in front of it by releasing a statement, which is on the Fulham website. I'm going to read this statement, and then we're going to talk about it. So here it is. This is directly from the article on the Fulham website. Chairman's statement, a message to the Fulham supporters from our chairman, Shai Khan. I'm going to read the entire thing. Here it goes. It was revealed today that I made an offer to purchase Wembley Stadium from the Football Association. To everyone in the Fulham family, I wanted you to be among the first to hear the news directly from me and share a bit of background. As you likely know, in addition to the privilege of serving as chairman of Fulham Football Club, I'm also owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars of the National Football League in the U.S. The Jaguars have played regular season home games at Wembley Stadium in each of the past five NFL seasons and will continue to do so at least through the 2020 season. The games the Jaguars play at Wembley are essential to the financial stability of the Jaguars in Jacksonville, which is one of the smallest markets in the NFL. If my ownership interest were to include Wembley Stadium, it would protect the Jaguars' position in London at a time when other NFL teams are understandably becoming more interested in this great city. And the stronger the Jaguars are in London, the more stable and promising the Jaguars' future will be in Jacksonville. As important, Wembley Stadium would return to private ownership and the Football Association would be able to focus on its core mission of developing players with the best player developers and facilities anywhere in the game, thanks in part to the vast financial benefit that would result from the transaction. I trust many, if not most of you, are also supporters of the England national teams. So I hope you welcome the potential of this becoming a reality. Always know Wembley would be home to the England national team and and that we would strive every day of the year to be the best possible steward for the venue that is iconic and beloved here and throughout the world. No matter what the outcome of our offer may be, I want to emphatically state to you that none of this will have any effect on my commitment to your club. To be clear, The venture is 100% independent on my investment in an operation of Fulham Football Club, Mottsburg Park, and Craven Cottage. No less attention will be paid to developing players and fielding a squad that will win with frequency and also make you proud. It will have no impact on Craven Cottage as the home of FFC. And this is imperative to know, and I encourage you to spread the word. Absolutely nothing changes in our plans to redevelop the Riverside stand. I hope you will support my effort in this endeavor, and I know you're with me in wishing our first team the very best tomorrow night against Sunderland as we take aim at promotion the final two weekends of the season. I've submitted program notes for tomorrow, a match that reflect upon our magical campaign and the opportunity ahead, and I'll have them posted online here at fullmfc.com in advance of kickoff. In case you don't get a chance to read the notes, let me take this opportunity to thank you for all you've done to make this a record-breaking season at Fulham Football Club. Come on, you whites. All right, Max, those are the words 
from Shai Khan, the chairman's statement, which is on the Fulham website. It talks about the situation with his bid for Wembley Stadium, talks about what it means for Fulham Football Club. Opening thoughts on what I just read. Um, yeah, first and foremost, uh, we have to focus on what it means for Fulham. That's the first thing I uh, latch on to. And it's really encouraging because Shahid Khan went and explicitly said this will have no effect on his commitment to Fulham. That's correct. And in addition, he said this will have no effect on the plans to redevelop the Riverside stand. So I think the two things that Fulham supporters really wondered when they saw the news. I first saw I woke up this morning, I, I got a bunch of texts from my friends, from Russ as well, saying, Fulham just bought Wembley. And I'm, I mean, I'm thinking... Well, didn't buy Wembley, they exactly, put it a bit. Exactly. But that's the, I want to show how like the news can get sensationalized. Because <laughs> you, obviously they haven't bought Wembley. Obviously it's not, they're not moving to Wembley. That's not going to happen. But when you initially see this on Twitter, and, and right. people are maybe not as knowledgeable, see it, they tell you one thing. Um, and you can see it, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been kind of blown out of proportion, I think, in right. some areas. So, Let me just emphasize, I meant Shad Khan put in a bid, not Fulham. So yeah, Shad go Khan, ahead. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's Shad Khan. The club isn't buying it. It's not going to be a West Ham Olympic Stadium situation, which is my initial reaction. Let's not have that going on. Um, but yeah, he said there's going to be no change uh, to his commitment to Fulham, and there's going to be no change to Craven Cottage and its renovations. So as long as those things are true, I think I have to applaud Shahid Khan for his ambition. Uh, Jokanovic said this in his uh, in his presser today that, he did. Listen, he's an ambitious guy. It shows the manager is behind this, which is, I think is a nice touch. So as long as it doesn't affect, I think, the operations of Fulham, I think I can say it's a very good move from Shahid Khan. It makes complete business sense for him. And as he's a, as he's a businessman and a very good one at that, I think this is encouraging news. Yes, and uh, I think it's actually very good for everyone involved if uh, this goes through. I, I think it, it will be good, obviously, for England because they will have all that money to use on the national team and all, all the youth teams and everything that goes along with it. I think that's really good, so it, it will benefit on that end. And when it comes to the Jaguars, I found it interesting in his statement about that because I know people here in the States are going to be thinking, okay, the Jaguars are moving. And I think that is the farthest from the truth. I think in his statement, he kind of comes out and says the benefits that this will have for the Jaguars staying in Jacksonville. And uh, I truly believe that. Listen, I could be wrong. I don't think I am on this. I, I think he's committed to stay in Jacksonville. And I think that the situation with Wembley just helps him with that. And uh, I think it's, you know, again, I think it's a good situation for him. It's, I think it's a very good investment for him. So I don't see this as a bad thing. It doesn't affect Fulham Football Club, and that's what we're about. So I wanted to make sure that I read this so you – heard the words of Shah Khan talking about that this is a completely separate entity. It does not affect Fulham Football Club whatsoever and his commitment to it, Max. That is the number one thing to come out of it. But there are other things as well. And I think it was important that they got this message out. And I said to you, I wish, you know, I'll use my New England Patriots as an example. I think that they don't get out in front of stories quickly enough. And then it just starts all these rumors and speculation and, and it just takes off from there i like the fact that they got out in front of this and uh, i think it was important to do that let everyone know where they stand on this so there is no speculation there shouldn't be at this point if you read the statement you should understand that his commitment to foam has not changed max if you're worried about it read the statement simple right 
Exactly. Um, and another uh, thing that came out of this announcement is some people on Twitter were remarking that next season Chelsea are going to be playing at Wembley uh, when Stamford Bridge is being renovated. So we could have a situation <laughs> where Chelsea are playing at a stadium that is owned by Fulham, which I think would be a funny touch. Um, and, I and agree with that. That would be amazing. In, in, a, in a better note, I think, for all uh, football supporters, is that for many years uh, people have complained that the FA Cup semifinals at Wembley are not really what they used to be. People want to return back to semifinals at stadiums like Villa Park, St. James's Park, Old Trafford, Anfield, Hillsborough, different stadiums that's going to like uh, make the FA Cup semifinal a bigger deal uh, and, and switch it up so that the final is even more important that it's the only match at Wembley. And this move would open uh, those things up. So I think that's also another encouraging sign from this. Okay, excellent there, my friend. So I think you and I are both in agreement that this is good news for us as foam supporters because I truly believe this doesn't touch what is going on with foam football club. And like I said, I think it's also important that he put in his statement, the commitment to foam has not changed. And of course, like you said, the Riverside stand, because that was the first thought of my mind was the Riverside stand development project that they've been going on and nothing changes with that. And, and these are all positive things that came out of the statement. And I think it was important to get it out there because there were going to be questions. And, well, hopefully these are your answers, and I'm glad that I was able to uh, read this. And I got this and was basically able to talk a little bit about it. All right, Max, let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about what's going on with second place because you are Optimus Max, and uh, we got to talk about the situations with both Cardiff City and Fulham. Let's see if uh, – your optimism uh, pays off in a couple weeks' time. So <laughs> let's start with Cardiff City. Their last two matches, my friend, are against Hull City away, which i got to be honest with you. I've watched Hull City recently play Aston Villa, and they were the better team. I'm talking about in that match. So I actually have a little hope here because I, I saw how this team can play at home, and they are difficult to play at home. So this is going to be a difficult match for Cardiff City. The last match is at home against Reading, and I'm not too sure about that. I wouldn't have high hopes for that one. I'm putting my hopes from a foam perspective on this House City match on Saturday. Your thoughts on the last two matches for Cardiff City, Max? I think you identified the perfect point there. Hull City is the big match that literally the entire season, I think, for foam has to rest on. Of course, yeah. that's, that's assuming we win our, our final two matches. So which I think is not a massive assumption to make. I think it's a fair assumption to make because of the form we're on and the sides we're playing. So I think we really should look at Hull City. And let me read to you their last six results. Uh, Hull City nil, Villa nil. You just mentioned they were the better team in that match. Yep. Wolves, Wolves two, Hull City two. Going away to Molineux and getting a point from the champions, the runaway champions at that, the side who's clearly runaway at the league. That's an impressive result. That was on April 3rd. Four days later, Hull City 4, QPR nil. Three days after that, on April 10th, Burden nil, Hull City 5. Five goals away from home against the place. Let's not remember, we lost. Sorry, let's not forget, we lost at Burden early on in the season. They win their 5 nil. Um, then Saturday, April 14th, Hull City nil, Sheffield Wednesday 1. It's a slip up at home. Uh, and then last weekend against Bristol City, away from home, Bristol City 5, Hull City 5. So, this is not a team short on confidence. This is a team who in their past uh, six results have put together some very impressive performances, have played some of the best teams in the division, 
and gotten results. I've put up a lot of goals. They're scoring for fun. So I think that should give Fulham fans a lot of confidence for when they go, when they host uh, Cardiff on Saturday. This is not going to be an easy match for Cardiff. And, of course, coming off that midweek loss, as we're going to mention in just a couple moments against Derby, Cardiff City, they're going to be very nervous. Their confidence is going to be shot because all of a sudden the conversation is shifting from not just Fulham cashing up to them, but the Cardiff City blowing that huge lead, to Cardiff City slipping. And once teams kind of have that mental um, note in their minds that they're slipping up, that they've had a big lead and now it's getting gobbled up by Fulham, that's when the nervousness, uh, the instability starts to set in. So I think we have to really put a lot of confidence in the Tigers on Saturday because, as you mentioned, the Reading match, I think, will be a different story. I think Cardiff will have an easier time against Reading. So... Listen, all they have to do is drop points. We don't need a loss. All we need is a tie. A loss would be nice. But listen, I think it's certainly uh, realistic to hope. It's interesting because uh, I don't know about you, Max, but I watched the Derby County match. And uh, when uh, Cardiff scored that goal, I was like, oh, I cannot believe it's going to go down like this. Tell me it's not going to end like this. And next thing you know, in the second half, Cameron Jerome, it was like in slow motion, Max, if you go back and watch that goal. It slowly goes into the goal, and I'm like, we now have a chance here. And then, of course, Vidra gets the next goal, and then Jerome gets the third, and it ends that way. And I was screaming like Fulham had won a match. That's how excited I was because I understood the significance of this match. And uh, the fact that it happened late, I I think, could also be a factor going into the Hull City match. Because Hull City are going to play him tough. And I know that, that you talked about the result against Aston Villa. I thought they were the better team. But the thing about it was the result. They still got a result out of it against a team that needed the result, needed all three points. We're talking about Aston Villa. So this is not going to be an easy game for Cardiff City. And will they be affected from this loss against Derby County? I, I'm hoping that they will be. We'll just leave it at that. But there is a little hope, but it will come down to that match on Saturday. Hopefully we win on Friday, which I think we will. Then it all shifts to Saturday. Max, I'm on the record as saying that I believe that we will have a clear picture of where everything is going to head by the end of the weekend, by Saturday. We'll know after that Cardiff City match. That's really going to tell the tale because the last match of the season for Fulham, the last match, season for Reading, I think, could be victories for both teams. And if that's the case, then it really does come down to this weekend. So we're going to see how it all plays out. Now let's talk about the last two full matches. We're obviously going to be talking about the Sunderland match in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I just want to just talk about that match and then the final match against Birmingham City. Now I've seen fans that are concerned about the Sunderland match because of the connections with Chris Coleman and Kit Simons, understandable. But when we talk about it, maybe you'll feel a little bit differently, especially if you listen to my interview with Peter Sixsmith. I think you're going to feel very differently about this match. Again, we're not really focusing that much yet on the final match, which is against Birmingham City. And they've been playing better lately. And they have a new manager who is, uh, I guess you could say, rallying the team a little bit. But still, it's a match, Max, the last match of the season. There's so much on the line with the way Fulham have played this unbeaten run. I can't imagine them not getting all three points 
at Birmingham City. So I want to get your thoughts on the final two matches, but we'll, we'll focus in just a bit on the Sunderland match. Yeah, the final two matches are both against teams who are in that bottom area, the bottom five teams. Of course, Sunderland is already relegated. So that'll be an interesting type of match because they, in theory, have nothing to play for. Their fate is already sealed. They'll be playing in League One next season. But oftentimes, um, as you mentioned earlier, they, they could play with more freedom. But in an interview with the Sunderland supporter uh, yesterday, he obviously did not express any confidence in them to play with any sort of freedom. No, he and, didn't. And they, and they are a club in free fall. So that, that, I think, will be a match of contrasting confidence. I mean, the team who's third in the league was a team very bottom, probably the best form against the worst form. I think we should be able to win quite comfortably. Uh, on Friday night. Now, Birmingham's a different story because they are 20th right now. They're currently five points clear of the drop. So they could be mathematically safe by the time we play them uh, with a victory against QPR in the weekend. So we could play them also with them being safe and then and them having nothing to play for, which looks likely because it's looking unlikely Barnsley or Bolton are going to eclipse them and uh, put Birmingham down. So Birmingham look very safe. And that on the final day of the season, obviously we're going to have everything to play for and they'll have nothing to play for, but they're also a team on good form, whereas some of them are not a, not a team in good form. Right. And they're ma- managed by an experienced manager like Gary Monk, who, as we've seen, very, done very well at Swansea, um, less so at Millsborough this season, but I think certainly a manager many rate pretty highly as I do. So that won't be a walk in the park, and that's an away match, of course. So you never really know against teams at the bottom of the table. And honestly, this season we've, we sometimes struggled against some of the lower sides in the division. Um, but that was ma- mainly in the first half of the season. And I think on this amazing run we have, we should definitely be confident to win both these matches. I totally agree. And uh, again, it, it, we could say it would be a foolish thing for them to say draw or lose against Birmingham City. My only thought on this is that this is a different team, certainly a different team from the beginning of the season. They're playing with so much confidence you have to look at it that way, that this just isn't that team anymore. It's its own team. And that's the one thing that I always look at each team as being different. Not every team is the same as the one prior or throughout the years. They all have their different characteristics. And this team is different from the team from last season. This team has won matches in different ways, Max. And I thought that to me was a huge indicator of what this team is all about. It's a winning team. It's a winner. Not that the team last season wasn't, but I thought they could only really win one way, and that was outscoring you or really just taking it to you. But I thought that they were more susceptible to certain types of teams. They are a little bit this season, but not as much because they can now grind them out with you. They can find a way to win. And that's the difference between this team and the team from last season is that they find ways to win especially late in matches. Now, of course, we could talk about what happened against QPR. We could talk about what happened against Brentford. And, yes, I do think that the London Derby factor was a part of all that. And uh, that, to me, is part of the story. But could they have done better? Absolutely. But if you look at this whole run as a whole, they've won these matches and several of them late on in matches, and that just shows character. This is a different team. I expect them to win these next two matches and finish this run of 24 unbeaten max, which would be unbelievable 
You called it, and I want you to be right. I think you're going to be right. I can't believe I'm saying this. Like <laughs> yeah. I said, you're rubbing off on me. <laughs> and uh, Optimus Max is now it's now becoming an Optimus Russ. I am Optimus, but not like you. You're at, you're at a completely different level. Um, yeah, which is yeah, great. exactly. But it's 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 as I said before, it's so easy to be optimistic when we're doing so well. Sure, uh, and it, it is historic this run. It and is even even if we win t- tomorrow night, that would uh, signify half of the season. I mean, the whole twenty. Think half, about that. That's that's unheard of. I think in any level um, of English football, certainly this season. And I think we had to be considered um, really one of the better sides in all of England. Uh, in terms of form, if, if yep. that holds to be true. But again, it all comes down to what Cardiff City does. We, we, we could still be out here winning our last two matches and, and finishing the playoffs, but I, th- I think we both agree that there's a very good chance that we might get that second position, which I think everyone who's seen championship football this season agrees that we deserve over Cardiff because they don't, they don't play the kind of way we do, and they don't play with confidence, I think, in the style that we do. And most of their matches – at least in, in, in the past couple of weeks when I think Fulham fans have really been focusing, I can't think of one performance when they've looked like a team who should be in second place. Oh, very interesting there, my friend. All right, let's uh, now talk about something that you brought to my attention. You want to talk about this, and I certainly want to talk about this, and then we're going to preview the Sunderland match. Max, what is your favorite kid? I'm going to start with you, and then I'm going to share mine. Yeah, so this uh, segment was inspired by Russ's recent vacation, uh, to Disney World, which is a great place. Um, and I just remarked, there's such a great diversity of Fulham kits and Fulham products Russ is wearing. And of course, like, as, as I'm sure every single Fulham fan listening now does, we always, we always have a great array of Fulham kits in our wardrobe. I certainly love wearing my Fulham kits uh, out and about. Um, and I have to say, my most cherished Fulham kit, and to be fair, I don't, I don't actually own this one, but it's one of my favorites from over the years, was our 2012-13 third kit with the, uh, the, the black with the gold diagonal stripe. Wow. Um, I think it's, it, it's, it's a stylish kit. It might not be the most traditional foam kit. It's certainly not uh, something that we're going to see again, I don't think. But it has really great memories for me, uh, especially with that um, famous 1-0 away win at White Hart Lane, with Dimitar Berbatov scoring the famous winning goal and celebrating <laughs> right full of foam pans in the corner. I was there for that match. That was one of my favorite foam matches. And we wore that black and gold third kit that day. And it was a special moment um, yeah, and significant for me because that was my final season uh, seeing Fulham play in London since I moved back to the States. So I'm going to go with that, that black and gold away, uh, third kit strip. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. You did not there, see Max. that coming, Russ. That, that I was, did not see that coming. My favorite kit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I was given this a good amount of thought, Max, and um, this kit, and I'll just use this season as the kit here. It would be the home kit for, say, um, the Europa League run that season, the, the 2009-2010 season. Uh, that, to me, is, is my favorite, Max. It has a lot of memories, obviously, that goes back a bit, too. But that, to me, is, is my favorite kit. I just think of Bobby Zamora whenever I think of it. Yeah, uh, that was another classic, uh, I think. The Nike kits that we had um, in, in that spell are certainly, I think they're all big hits. Uh, I have the away kit from, from that year, the, uh, the red and black one, and yep. I always love wearing that as well. It's very classy, very traditional. Um, I think Nike did a really great job for us. Okay, excellent there, my friend. Well, that's good. Well, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought this up, and it's funny. If you saw my pictures from my vacation, I, I'm wearing several different ones. And I even picked that one. I, I just 
wanted to pick one that had some serious significance to me. And whenever I think of a kit that stands out to me, it has to be during that run. It's so special. And uh, that kit stands out, that home kit. So just want to mention that. All right. All right, Max. Let's get into talking about Sunderland. And like I've already mentioned, just I'll keep saying this. Uh, it was so nice to speak to uh, Peter Sixsmith from Salute Sunderland. I, he's an older gentleman, and he loves his club. Let's just leave it at that. He really loves his club. And I left the interview just feeling bad for him and, and the uh, Sunderland supporters, what has uh, transpired for them. It's been very hard for them. Obviously, this double drop is is not good, and there are reasons behind it. And uh, if you listen to the interview, I think you'll understand some of the reasons. It really does begin with ownership for him, so definitely check that out. And um, this is a team that's really had a not just a bad season, but obviously it goes back further than that. And as we look forward into this match, they've already been relocated. So the first thought is, well, like I've already mentioned, you know, they can just play now. They don't have to worry about that. Chris Coleman and, and Kit can have them set up to just play and take it to Fulham if they want. We'll see about that. And uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to, based on my conversation with Peter. I think this has everything to do with Fulham and not as much to do with Sunderland. If we do what we have to do, we should comfortably win this match. So those are my opening thoughts because they've had a very bad season. And uh, as I mentioned uh, when I was talking to Peter, I asked him about the Derby County match because that was a very good victory, and he talked about the fact that that had more to do with Derby County than it did to Sunderland to him. Then, of course, you have the victory against Fulham where he doesn't see much value that you can take out of it because Fulham's so different now and obviously the situation with Sunderland because they really have had these matches that they've had these victories, but it, it there's been never anything to go beyond that. So, Max, my opening thoughts is that Fulham should win this match. Plain and simple, they should win this match. What are your thoughts about Sunderland? Yeah, I mean, I think Sunderland are, are obviously in one of the worst states of any club in England at the moment. Uh, as you mentioned, the ownership just has a failure to really invest in the players. And as Peter was saying, there's just a very low level of confidence around the club at the moment. So... I mean, of course, when you drop down from the Premier League and go right down to League One immediately after, that's one of the worst um, things I think you can do in English football because it's such a it's such a shock. I mean, we saw Wolves do it, and luckily they've recovered. But two straight relegations is really hard for a fan base to recover from, and also for players to recover from. So that's why I agree with you, and we don't. I don't really buy the playing with freedom thing because it's not like they're they're being like freed. It's almost like they know their fate next year, and it's going to be even worse than it was this season. I think playing with freedom is something that you could say of when a, a club, you know, from the championships gets, gets promoted to the Premier League, is obviously out of their depth in the Premier League, and then goes right back down. Um, and then I think when a club is already relegated in the Premier League and already knows they're going to be in the championship, then I think players can play with freedom because you know they might not have been expected to succeed in the Premier League. Uh, an example of that was way back, I think, in 2013, is when we played Reading uh, at home towards the end of the season. They were already relegated and they actually went out and beat us at home. That's an example of playing with freedom uh, when a club is going back down in the championship because they really had low expectations. But some of them this season, you know, some of them didn't expect them maybe to go right back up, but certainly expected them to be mid-table, upper mid-table. So I think 
this we're going to play a team that's really devoid of confidence, that's in a really terrible state, and we're almost polar opposites of them. We're going on, we're going, we're going up, we're on the way up, they're on the way down, um, and I think the result is going to reflect that. Okay, very good there, Max. I, I just want to share just a, a couple more tidbits from my interview because when I was asking about players to watch, and we'll be talking about that, the players that uh, Peter mentioned were McManlin and uh, Aiden McGeady. Those are the players to look out for. You also have to be concerned about Lee Catamall as well. But what was interesting is that uh, he thought, Peter Sixsmith, that he was fearful that uh, Alexander Mitrovic would uh, relegate Sunderland. He's like, we don't have to worry about that now. <laughs> but he he didn't want a Newcastle man relegate his team. And he brought up the fact that John O'Shea, center back, is 36 years old, Max. Think about that going against Alexander Mitrovic. I didn't even think of it that way. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't realize he was that old. So that's something to think about as well. They do have some, like I said, they do have these wingers and McManamum and McGeady. But beyond that, when you look at their team, and I'm looking at at it right now, looking at the players, there's not a lot there. And Peter was talking about the problems that they've had a goalkeeper as well. So it's a team that leaks goals and team that is struggling mightily. So really, Fulham, this should be all about Fulham, Max. Not really much to do about the situation. You know, we're, we're going to focus on on the, the doom and gloom, what could happen. Could we lose this match? I could be dead wrong on this. I don't see it. I really don't see it. I understand who is the manager. I get all that. I understand what happened the first time. But this is not the same Fulham team. And it's certainly not the same Sunderland team either. So keep that in mind as well. All right. So let me ask you, because I've thrown out a few names. Are, are there any players that concern you in regards to Sunderland? I think the striker, Ashley Fletcher, uh, might concern me. He, he's on the of Middlesbrough, was a promising youth prospect from West Ham. Uh, he, he's a young player who hasn't really had a good season this year, but he does possess some good finishing qualities. So we should watch out for him. Um, I'd also watch out for Lee Catamull. And not in a positive sense, I'd say I tell Tom Kearney to steer well clear of him because I could totally see this match going the way where we're up big and Lee Catamull, you know, famously one of the dirtiest players um, in England, could just take a big swing um, at, at Kearney. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried for the full midfield. Our skillful players, Lee Catamull, is a really nasty player. Watch out for him in the center, center of midfield for Sunderland. He's a little bit of a concern for me. Yeah. Uh, I understand why you went that. All right. So I'm going to read the strengths and weaknesses and style of uh, Sunderland that I actually read to uh, Peter as well. This is on whoscore.com. He laughed when I said strengths. I said, no, they actually do have some strengths here listed. <laughs> and here are the strengths. Very strong coming back from losing positions. Strong at creating chances through individual skill and stealing the ball from the opposition. Weaknesses. Very weak at avoiding individual errors, and also very weak at defending against attacks down the wings. These are all weak. Avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, defending against long shots, aerial duels, defending counterattacks, defending set pieces. Their style of play, take long shots, attack down the right, aggressive, rotate their first 11, playing in their own half. All right, Max, it's pretty obvious they have several weaknesses there. Anything stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the individual errors thing stands out. Uh, I think that kind of shows a lack of quality uh, throughout the first 11. And then I think just their poor defensive. 
record really stands out. I mean, they've conceded the uh, second most goals in the league. Burden have conceded 79. Sunderland have conceded 78. 78. That's, that's just a massive number. In perspective, Fulham are the second top scorers in the league. We scored 76. I know. So, <laughs> It's 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 a huge goal from quality. I think one of the worst defensive teams against one of the best attacking teams, uh, and I think that's going to show. Okay, excellent, Max. Who are your key players for Fulham? A key player for Fulham is going to be Tom Kearney. I think he came off a really superb performance uh, last Friday against Millwall, in which he came under a lot of fire first half, but really emerged second half and was so key to dictating the tempo of our play, like he is every week. It's going to be a physical battle. I'm going to anticipate against Sunderland. It's going to be a team that's going to be chippy, going to be angry, may, might want to take out some frustration on some of our skill players. And I think Tom Kearney really thrives in those kinds of atmospheres when he's under pressure. He can use his skill to evade players um, and really assert our passing style. He'll be at the forefront of a lot of what we do tomorrow night. And in addition, I think uh, Mitrovic, as you mentioned, almost every match, Probably. he's going to be a handful for the two center backs for Sunderland. And I really relish the, the the sight of John O'Shea, who it's a remarkable is still playing uh, football at this level, 36. Not, I mean, certainly a physical center back, so I think in, in that respect he might be well-suited for Mitrovic. But in terms of <clears throat> mobility and pace, uh, he's certainly uh, well off the pace, you could say. So right. I'm gonna, I, I'd love to see Mitrovic going up against John O'Shea. Okay, excellent, Max. All right. How do Fulham win this match? I think just play our signature passing style. We blew away Millwall in the second half Friday night with um, that passing style, that attacking style of football in which we tire them out and they can't even get a kick at the ball. So they have to resort to kicking our players. And I can see something similar like that happening um, at the cottage when we just get our style going. Sunderland are not going to see a lot of the ball. We're going to see probably the vast majority of possession. And when we create chances with the quality we have up top, we're going to put them away. So I just say stick to basics. If you play the way you've been playing for the past, you know, four months, we're going to be in very good shape. Okay, give me your starting 11. Starting 11, uh, it's, it's going to be unchanged, I think. I think you do not change your winning formula. I think uh, Dennis Adoy and Reem at the back are going to be key again. I think Callis, unfortunately, has to sit out again, given the really good partnership Adoy and Reem have shown. Uh, ben Nelling goal, Fredrickson target on the wing backs. The midfield three of Johansson, McDonald, and Kearney is going to be unchanged. And then I, I think I was impressed by Lucas Piazon in the second half of that Moal match. He answered his critics a lot, um, showed a lot of good passion. So I'm going to go with Piazon, Mitrovic, and Sessignon up top. Okay, excellent. All right, my friend, time for your prediction. Prediction, you know, we can really get ahead of ourselves here because it's one of the matches where I think running up the score is a distinct possibility considering uh, we want to have the best goal differences possible. You know, we don't know how it's going to come right. down at the end of the season. I'm going to say... Fulham four, Sunderland nil. It's it's a big it's a big win, but I think it's definitely within our grasps. I mean, we beat Millwall three 0 away from home, and they're in seventh. You know, Sunderland at home, and they're dead last. It could be a lot worse. Okay, well, just so you know, who scored dot com's prediction four 0 So there we go. <laughs> uh, they agree with you, my friend. So how about that? All right, I'm not going to go with my usual three to one. I'm actually going to go with, with uh, Peter Sixsmith. I'm going to say three 0 uh, I think it has a chance to be 3-0, which is comfortable. That still will help our goal differential, which I think is important. What's interesting, Max, and I'll just share this with you. I don't know if you've seen some of this, but I've seen some articles. and I saw one recently from uh, a, a website 
about Aston Villa. And uh, this writer was trying to make the argument that Aston Villa still has a chance to get automatic promotion. Uh, I, I read it, and I understand where he was coming from. He, he wanted to have a little bit of hope. But are you in agreement with me that Aston Villa, I don't know, 1% maybe? I mean, I, I'd say maybe even half a percent because, I mean, they're in fourth position right now. Currently three points beyond. So many things would have to happen yeah, for them yeah, exactly. to get automatic promotion. You can't make up a four-point deficit in, in team matches, uh, especially against teams like Fulham and Cardiff. I mean, I think we both very much expect Fulham and Cardiff to win at least one of their last two. And then yeah. just that, that itself would put Villa out of the out of the race. So I think that's a complete pipe dream. Uh, maybe they've been listening to too much uh, Optimus Max in the past maybe. couple weeks. And now everything's have a chance at second. You know, maybe Burrow <laughs> want to get second. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, well, that's not going to happen, I don't think. Well, I'm going to share one more tidbit from my interview with Peter, and I really enjoyed talking to Peter. Great guy. And uh, because we were talking about the playoffs, Peter said that he thinks that we will win promotion through the playoffs. That was his opinion. But he also said that he has friends that uh, support Middlesbrough. And the friends that he talked to, they were concerned with Fulham that they want Fulham to go through automatic promotion, get second, because they think that is their best route if Fulham are not in the playoffs. Well, what are your thoughts about that? I think that's actually a great point to bring up because I think in, in the past couple of weeks, we've really seen a groundswell of support from Fulham, not only from Fulham supporters, but really many just championship fans in general. Yeah. And I never really considered that, but now I think what I'm realizing is... They're all on board, which is scary yeah, in, in some ways. It's scary in some ways, but also... I always kind of thought, oh, wow, it's great that, you know, the whole country is kind of realizing that Fulham plays such nice football, that we're a great side. Now I'm kind of reconsidering. I think it's for selfish means. I think all those teams, you know, in the playoff hunt, they don't want to play Fulham. And that's why they're praising us so much. They want us to go up automatically, just yeah, like you do. mentioned, because they don't want to face, face, up in, face us in the playoffs. That's right. They don't want to play Cardiff. So they do. I think it, it's, uh, that might be a big factor in why we've suddenly seen such a, a big popular support for the Whites probably because they're just scared of us. Yeah, it's that fear factor, which I find interesting because I look at it the other way because I'm not as optimistic as you, and I have my fears, and, and I look at Middlesbrough, and it's a team that I fear, and I found it interesting that there were these Middlesbrough supporters that are fearing Fulham. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't fear them because they're they're fearing Fulham, and uh, that's it's very interesting hearing it from other supporters that support other teams. I, I found that interesting that Peter shared that. That was actually made me feel good knowing that there are these Middlesbrough supporters that are fearful full. So that was, uh, that was encouraging. All right, Max, great show. Before we go, any final thoughts, my friend? Final thoughts. Uh, just let's just make it 23 unbeaten. Half a season unbeaten would be a superb achievement. I think it's almost getting lost uh, in just our kind of intense focus on second place. But, you know, I always just say this at the end of the show. Take a step back. Realize what's happening at Fulham Football Club. It, it, again, it's, it's a priceless time to be a supporter. These are the moments we're going to remember in many, year t- in many a year time. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to cherish it. It's our last uh, regular season home match at Craven Cottage. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs possibly, but it's going to be a great time to pack the cottage, a Friday night ma- match where Fulham is really going to put on a show to an international audience. Uh, I just cannot wait for Friday night. I don't know about you, Russ. I can't wait either, Max. And my final thoughts are this, because I've seen a lot of talk about this. Let's say 
Fulham don't get second and go through the playoffs. And uh, so many people are concerned about the playoffs, our history in the playoffs. And the way I look at it is differently than that. I don't think what happened last season or what's happened years in the past factor into this team. Each team, for me, is their own entity. And I've seen this with other teams that I support in different sports, that you really can't judge one team from another team. The best example I can give you are the Boston Bruins, where the Boston Bruins lost in a series. They, they were up 3-0 and lost 4-3. to And the next season, they come back, Max, and they won the Stanley Cup. So if I took the attitude that what happened the prior season was going to happen again, then I and I saw all that. And I said, no, this team is different from the team from the prior season. So my attitude on this is if you want to look back at the past and say our record is not good and terrible in the playoffs, fine. You're right about that. But I'm just telling you, this team is not any of those teams. It's its own team. If we get in the playoffs, we have a very good chance of getting to Wembley and then take it from there. I truly believe that if we do not get second, that it's not doom and gloom. I'm going to say it right now, Max. It's not because this team is a very good team. Teams fear us, and there's a reason for it. It's different than last season, even though there were experts predicting that we would win through the playoffs. This is a better team. This is a truly better team from that team. I have faith that if we got into the playoffs, that we would have a very good chance of winning promotions through winning the final. I have confidence in that. So if it's playoffs, don't tell me we can't win it because I still think we can. In fact, I will be expecting us to win through the playoffs. I think promotion is in the cards, my friend. I can't believe I'm saying this. You are really just rubbing (laughs) off on me. To be honest with you, I hope you're right because I don't want to go through it, but – I think if we do go through it, we're going to be pleasantly surprised. And the negativity and people that are worrying about it, I understand where it's coming from. I think you're going to be wrong because I think we could do it. But let's hope we don't have to deal with that. Let's hope we win automatic promotion. All right. All right. Very good there, my friend. Let's wrap this up. For Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.